I love how uh, Frank's image is an unsettling webcam up close. Yeah. Yes. We look like a live stream from a uh, ISIS internment camp. Yes. Oh boy. Oh gosh. <laughs> What color oh, are, wait, wait, wait. What color are your uh, eyes, Frank? Uh, Frank, you look like you are um, Skyping in for an uh, online flat earther talk show hosted by us. <laughs> I, look like a, I look like when Alex Jones has, like, guests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hold on. It's like the worst YouTube channel. <laughs> it is pajamas. <laughs> Just uh, shut that door, if you please. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! So, so this is what I'm going to be wearing the whole podcast. Oh Can you hear me? Is that a Mighty Ducks related thing? No, this is. Um, uh, have you heard of Sleep No More? Uh, no. no. It, is a, it is a piece of interactive theater in New York where it takes place in an old hotel, and all of the guests have to wear these masks and be completely silent, and it retells Macbeth through interactive theater. And you just kind of silently watch it, and it's amazing. Boo. Boo, <laughs> Boo interactive theater. Uh, anyway, we, we ready to roll? We've been rolling. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I need to cut it off. <laughs> uh, anyway. Wh- well, hold on. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Krangles. I'm Cthulhu. Wait, I forgot I have a lollipop. <laughs> No, don't, don't ASMR this. Don't. That's gonna sound so fine. You're gonna stop it. This is not an ASMR podcast. I'm going rid it quickly. <laughs> Am I audible through this? I mean, you sound a little goofy. Yeah. That's better. That's better. It looks like you're just wearing a baseball hat. Yeah, but it's then it's a creepy thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I'm Justin. I'm also... I'm Frank. Are we Plaidlets? We are Plaidlets. Question. Are we not Plaidlets? Yes, we are, we are Devo. Devo. Ha ha! Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome you and you and you and you. Oh, wait, 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 let me let, no, let me on. be accurate. And you and you and you. I think that's about ten. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, oh, Plaid yeah. Nation! I think I may have successfully expanded the Plaid Nation by uh, one or two. Mm-hmm. So, uh. At my local record store, uh, there's a guy who's uh, works there who's like a quintessential like plaid lad uh, like visual archetype like ten for ten. And uh, one day I was bringing him a Bob Mold CD, and he asked me if uh, the current drummer for Bob Mold's band is on there because he's a guy who likes he's on a lot of podcasts. He's on the best show. Best show, exactly. Uh, and I said, I, well, I actually bought the really terrible, I can now report terrible electronic Bob Mold record, mm. Modulate. Yeah, that, that's a bad one. <laughs> you told me about it, and I got intrigued because I was getting into magnetic fields at the time, and I thought, 
oh man, some more electronic turns. And it was uh, when I heard about the Malcolmus record, and I thought, you know, punk rocker gone electronic. This will be really interesting. Uh, it's 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 not great. Well, when when was this? Nineties. No, okay. <laughs> well, there we was go. It, yeah, was it nineties? Yeah. <laughs> it was very nineties. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I uh, I thought, oh, I should tell him about the podcast. But then, but then I lost my nerve. <laughs> and then I went back another time. And I thought, I'm definitely going to do it this time. And he even started playing uh, Brian Eno and Other Green World. And I thought, I have to do it. I have such a segue. And I actually waited for him to be at the counter so I can go up and check out and talk to him. And I was like, oh, hey, cool Eno record, man. And he's like, thanks. And then I chickened out. <laughs> so this last time when I was buying my Stephen Malkmus record which i have another story for later uh i finally said i i have to i have to tell you about my podcast and it felt as terrible as it as it sounds as it is yeah excuse uh, me sir may i tell you about my podcast <laughs> hello sir we seem to be fellow nerds of the same extraction what is thou like to listen to my podcast and then I uh, peed myself, <laughs> and everyone clapped. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening, uh, Record Store Man... We're sorry. <laughs> uh, kind best of. show rules. It, you, you're probably listening to the best show right now, because it's 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. Oh. That's when it's on. Oh. Oh. Well, now people know when we're taping, Frank. Jeez. Jeez, Frank. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Uh, what's up, fellas? Nothing. Frank, uh, I'm moving very soon. Yeah, you uh, are. So you I've are. been doing a lot of prep stuff that still feels like it has not amounted whoa, to anything. Whoa, digital interruption! You're doing a lot of prep stuff. That what? Oh, that feels like it has not amounted to anything. Ah, uh, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so, and I've had this in my brain, melting it for the past uh, like a month, uh, and now I'm subjecting you guys to it. <laughs> yes. What? Oh, it's a link. I have to uh, hold my T. That <laughs> you have to play, and I'm making you guys play it at full volume. Because if I have to have this disease in me, then so do you. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Uh, Are we still skyping? Hello, Frank. Yes. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> you disappeared from our screen. Oh man, no, it opened the browser and now Justin can see all the tabs of porn I have open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can see the browser in Justin's Here's a story about a little gal that lives in the Oh god. <laughs> Just blue like her inside and outside. That's such a bad impression. No, that's the real gun. Isn't this? I think this is from the Bob Mold record I bought. <laughs> oh, wait, Trump said it doesn't have a goofy. What? 
so that's a real record that Disney commissioned in the 90s because that kind of electronic music was really big. Um, so they did a whole thing of like Disney covers of that. So that's the real guy who does Goofy doing that. And now it's in your brains, too. And we will share the madness but, and eventually kill each other. But why does this have to do with your movie? <laughs> no, it's just been in my brain. Jesus. And now it's in your brains, too. <laughs> Is that what you were struggling with, Justin? <laughs> yes. He was, he was visibly I'm puzzled. I'm on board for the song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has absolutely nothing to do with me, movie. <laughs> I just want that in your skulls forever now. Because when I'm on my deathbed, that's probably going to be the last thing I think about. <laughs> uh, I hope so. It probably is. I hope many years from now, and you're dying. From a knife wound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Justin, I finally got a little too ornery. <laughs> and, a little too rowdy. <laughs> and uh, what is it? He stomps your cunt and then... <laughs> <laughs> Watch he's, it bleed to death. <laughs> he's wearing like a like an old-timey page boy cap, too, like a Bowery boy can stab you with. <laughs> That's true. I always keep several dirigibles with me. <laughs> dirigibles? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I quit my job. Hey! Yay! At Glarns and Global. Yeah. it's. I'm done. You're done. Are you... Is Wait, like, when's your last day? Is it now? Uh, Did it already happen? So the day that I quit was my last day, apparently, because then I checked the schedule and the new boss man changed my availability, even though I was available. <laughs> So fuck you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> We're naming names. Plow. <laughs> I'm free, and I've never met the man. Are you serious? You've never met the new I guy. I never met him. Wow. Let, let me tell you. Um, the kind of the moment I decided I was going to quit was when shout out to Lindsay. Yeah, Lin Lindsay looked him up on Facebook, <laughs> and I saw his Facebook page. Uh oh! And it was all like, um, he uh, he made like a fake award thing for like great author, and like here's my I'm in House Hufflepuff, and and like <laughs> and, and I saw what he was, which is a man who wants to who wanted to be an artist. Who is now managing a Barnes and Gumber. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I cannot let my life continue a second more, which in any way would lead me toward becoming this man <laughs> that I've never met. This guy's going to fucking hear it and kill himself. <laughs> I don't work there anymore and I never met him. <laughs> That's crazy. I Tom, did you ever meet the guy? Yeah. <laughs> I still sporadically work there. So. Yeah. Are, are you going to pull the trigger next, or are we... Uh... I don't know. I mean, oh, all you crumb bums are out, so I can do whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe it's like my weekly vacation from all of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not there. Oh, Frank's got his creepy mask on again. Frank's wearing the goalie mask from the Mighty Ducks jersey. Uh, it actually looks more like uh, Casey Jones. Yeah. From uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Except uh, with better cheekbones. That's true. 
Last played by Stephen Amell, who actually has better cheekbones than this mask, probably. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. Acura. Although first played live action by live. Whoa! And Potato Man. <laughs> Frank, you just glitched out hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, am you, I back? Uh, you're back, but you sound a little bit like Cher in that one song, which is to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, which is to say, breathtaking. <laughs> I will believe in life after love. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of doing it. Is your Wi-Fi all good? Uh, let me Poor check. Connection. Poor connection. Poor connection is the place for me. Come wander with me, love. How's, how's it now? It sounds wonderful, Frank. If you look current events, you... We've, We've got, got some stuff to relate. Really some clouds down in DC. And I'm gone to be Give me Oh man, you remember how joyful the singing on this podcast used to be? Yeah. <laughs> It's so forced. Frank, stop with the mask. <laughs> Frank is just like mugging into his webcam with this really jarring mask. Yeah. We've made him we made him stop. He's not gonna yeah. terrorize us anymore. Yeah, the mask has been tossed. Um Somebody stop me! I'm smoking! <laughs> Ace Ventura. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so two big politics things happened recently of note that I can think of. One mm-hmm. was that Robert Mueller submitted oh, yeah. his uh, much-awaited uh, report on mm-hmm. supposed collusion between President Donald Trump and the Russian government, and it turned into nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> anticlimactic. Uh, one of my favorite things, I, I'm not sure if it was the Hard Times or if it was uh, The Onion had the headline, uh, Robert Mueller mad at AG, because he didn't read the thing you sent him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so the Russia thing was always weird to me, because, like, Donald Trump has committed many, 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 mm. many, many crimes. Yes. Uh, both before and during this presidency. So there was this mass hysteria around the one crime that nobody could really prove that he committed and was probably too stupid to have committed. Anyway, do I believe that there was some interference from Russia? Yes. Do I believe he was like a chess grandmaster orchestrating it intentionally? Probably not. He's too stupid and too easily distracted to do so. Uh, And that's why an independent counsel and special prosecution couldn't really, you know, move in for the kill. Mm. The only thing that that I think would have affected is like those kind of swing votery type of people. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um uh as yeah, as you said, like Wait, wait, wait. You mean idiots? Yeah, yes. the stupidest people alive, exactly. swing voters? Exactly. Exactly, because like as you said, he has done and continues to do terrible, terrible illegal things. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's giving Trump too much credit, and in another way, it's giving uh, Putin uh, and the Putin regime too much credit. Uh, they wanted to fuck with shit, but this wasn't any kind of Manchurian candidate kind of maneuver. Mm. No, and even if it was, I kind of don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, what difference does it make? I still want him out. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's not like it's it's this really oh. really put together in, um, well. insidious <laughs> actor in this. Uh, no, this is a. <laughs> Um, a shit bomb walking around and shaking everybody's hands. He's just shitting himself constantly and spraying his diarrhea all through his diaper and everywhere else. <laughs> yes. Um, he's not a genius. No. He probably got a little bit of help from Russia at some point in his life and career, and maybe mm. a little bit during the election. Mm-hmm. But then he immediately forgot about it because his brain is pudding. Yeah. And went on to commit many more crimes. That you should have, that people should have prosecuted. However, like there's been this hysteria on the sort of center left about the Russia stuff. It's kind of become their Pizzagate QAnon, like it's their conspiracy theory. And I think the reason why it happened that way was because it would let them off the hook. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you can find a legal solution to Donald Trump, then it gets you off the hook. Of from forming a political solution yes. to the problem, from yeah. organizing and getting votes and, and running good candidates. I think that's a, that's what I was trying to say, but you put it in words that meant things, and I <laughs> I, I didn't. Yeah. That, that's what I meant. <laughs> and it was also just entertainment to them. You didn't have to interact yeah. with it. You could just watch it on TV, and then suddenly the Mueller report would come in, and Donald Trump would get arrested, and everybody would have fun, and that was never going to happen. Yeah. And they kept wanting it to happen because that would be the thing that would happen in a movie. Uh, but that doesn't happen in real life. No. Not to mention just the general fetishization of Robert Mueller, especially on yeah. like Reddit. Like there's a yeah. Mueller subreddit where half of it is just like shirtless pics of him from Nam. <laughs> Uh, I have been known to say that I uh, like to imagine him as a Quincy-esque figure. <laughs> I, I, you originally were a Columbo. Columbo, a Columbo-esque. Yes. <laughs> and one more uh, thing. Just one more thing. He kind of does look like that. Though. Yeah. Um, he, he was going to stick his uh, head back in through the door like Walter Matthau yes. at the end of Pelham 1, 2, 3. <laughs> you little stinker. <laughs> um. And thing number two is a former senator from Insert Bank here and former Vice President Joe Biden is kind of involved in a small political scandal right now because he hasn't even announced his candidacy yet. yet. Now, I hope this doesn't wind up being the thing that's dug up in the future. No, I've done way worse. So uh, I was reading about that. I was just like, oh, not you too, Joe. But then I read what the accusation from one of the ladies was and uh obviously no one should have their personal space invaded uh you know uh un- voluntarily uh but apparently he put both his hands on either side of her face pulled her in and rubbed their noses and involuntarily as i read this i cackled hysterically yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like that is a gross thing to do, and I think he is a gross old man. Yeah. Um, 
But there is this weird, like, septuagenarian horniness to it. Like, yeah, that's how people in the 50s got horny. And he just forgot that, Ex- like, those feelings evolved there or whatever. Are, before any of 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 these came up like you would just watch him and he Do would this. be doing stuff like <laughs> Do this that. and it, would women be, would look uncomfortable because they should because he's yeah, a gross creep it's it's very uncomfortable and especially because well i mean there's some not great stuff about the man <laughs> oh there's lots of it yeah 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 and i don't he, he for many reasons he should not run <laughs> for president yeah um yeah. Yeah, I mean this was this wasn't really a secret. It's just that somebody finally kind of called him on it, but I mean I I I I hate it. I would not be happy if he had done that to me, but the fact that that was his me too thing. Mm-hmm. Well, his real me too thing is that he suppressed the uh, yeah. witnesses against Clarence Thomas in 1989. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and he yeah. had the unmitigated gall recently to say, "Oh, I wish I had done more for Anita Hill." You motherfucker! Yeah. So you I mean, dirt eating scumbag. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Anyway, what's what's something fun in the news? What's uh, what's something fun? <laughs> We do, this is our cognitive biases coming in. <laughs> the look of panic uh, on Frank's face. Like anything fun. Like like any. Are there any fun movies coming out or anything? Like any, anything. <laughs> like we could get happy about. I know. I know. This is not really something you you care about, Justin. <laughs> but it's catching. It's catching the world. Our little world by storm. A little uh, Bryce Harper uh, hysteria. Oh yeah, on. people are real psyched about that. Uh, the Phillies signed uh, an expensive baseball man, <laughs> and he's playing well, and they keep winning, and everybody's real happy about it. Yeah, except for the Washington Nationals, the team that he came from. Uh, they were in D.C. tonight for a game, and he got booed mercilessly at the National Stadium. Uh, they were wearing modified Bryce Harper jerseys that said like Bryce Farter. <laughs> 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 Case closed. You're yeah. in the get in the back. <laughs> I mean, at least it didn't say anything like, gr- like actually horrible yeah. or like, you know, offensive. Bryce yeah. Farter is pretty good. I'm for it. Well, that's what's been going on in the world. Yes, those three things. Here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. Lads. Huh? I hear a song. What? unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. That's not the song. 
<laughs> Imagine a world, a space, time. You're just in this neck of the woods. Now take a left. Take a right. You're high. <laughs> You're in a zone. Auto zone. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a zone that in the late 80s killed a beloved Hollywood character actor and two Vietnamese children in a helicopter crash. What the fuck are you talking about, Frank? The Twilight Twilight Zone movie. Oh, yeah. Yesm. What? What? Fellas, why are we not doing a movie this here week? Because movies suck. I hate movies. I hate movies. There's dumb podcasts. Oh, wait, that's a better podcast than this. (laughs) Please don't go. (laughs) Don't switch over to that podcast. They don't need this. (laughs) We need the validation. (laughs) We're so lonely. Um, in honor of the new reboot of the, I was going to say the X-Files, the Twilight Zone, (laughs) we're doing a few Twilight Zones episodes. We're doing three Twilight Zone episodes, we're going to get at them, we're going to talk about them. They're great, the Twilight Zone is the, um, I think best television program ever made. It's one, I would say one of. I would say it's like top ten, like upper top ten. Yeah. Rod Serling, a really cool guy. He was a cool dude. He was super woke for the time. He was a really cool guy. He was a war veteran. He was a communist. And he uh, smoked and drank until his heart exploded mm-hmm. when he was like 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the story about why he was into weird stuff, which is supposedly that uh, he was a World War II veteran. And did all this World War II soldiery stuff and was fine. But his best friend was killed in a freak accident on an army base where just something just like fell on him. And he thought, how bizarre. Yeah, and then he realized it was Earth all along. <laughs> <laughs> that is like roughly 30% of his stories. Yes. We'll get to it. He um, uh, wrote the first script for Planet, Planet of the, the Apes. Apes. Yeah. And then the third and the fourth. Mm-hmm. Not the second. <laughs> all right, Frank, what's the episode you watched? We all watched them, but what's the one you're going to talk about? Yeah, so for this little experiment thing we did, we each picked an episode that we really liked, and I picked The Hitchhiker. Three days and three nights now of driving past Tennessee into Arkansas. Three days and three nights. Stop for food and then drive. Stop for food and then drive. Stop for food. And the routine goes on. Towns go by without names, landscapes without form. Now it isn't even a trip, it's flight. Route 80 isn't a highway anymore, it's an escape route. So I keep going, conscious of only one thing. I've got to get where I'm going and I can't let that hitchhiker close in on me. Which is a perfectly spooky little short Twilight Zone episode about a lady who is driving cross country and she gets into a car accident in Pennsylvania and the guy who helps repair a car is like, oh, you, you should have been going away in a hearse. Uh, <laughs> she was in a bad car accident. And so she's driving on further after the accident. And she keeps seeing this hitchhiker, this sort of shabbily dressed hitchhiker with like a hangdog face. Mm-hmm. With the saddest eyes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, he's like, a, he's got a real like droopy dog thing going yeah. on, this guy. It's what I've always liked about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that he doesn't seem menacing at first, mm-hmm. 
except that he's always there. Yeah. And he's there no matter how far along in her journey she gets. Like she crosses states and he's somehow always there in the rear view, passing her by on the side of the road. And she begins to think this guy is going to kill me. Uh, but nobody can see him but her. Mm-hmm. And, and then it turns the- out mm-hmm. when she tries to call her mother, her mother had a nervous breakdown because <gasps> her daughter died in that car crash. The hitchhiker has been the specter of death the whole time. And she goes completely numb. And this actress, whose name I forget, gives a really good performance at Great the end of this episode. Because she goes like stone faced and you can tell that she's in like this sort of numb acceptance of her fate. Mm-hmm. And she gets in the car and in the rear view mirror in the back seat. It's the hitchhiker, and he says, going my way. <laughs> uh, I was a little surprised by that. That was like It was like a weird, um, unnecessary left turn, because I was kind of like, I was like, oh, after the phone call, I was just like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, she ran off the road and killed this guy. Yeah, that would have um, been it. That would have been a good one, too. Yeah, that would have been. I, I, like that like made oh. sense. That made sense to me. That I like that better. <laughs> I think I don't know if I like that better. I I think the the twist of this episode, I mean, watching it this time, I've seen it a bunch. Watching it this time, the twist of it um doesn't really hit that much, but what I was watching it this time, uh throughout there are She's only interacting with men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Except for the woman on the phone, which we don't even see her face. Right. So she's just um, uh, interacting with men, and all of them are mansplaining to her and treating her horribly <laughs> uh, throughout the episode. Except for death. Except for except for death. But it, it was uh, like that's what really struck me. Uh, on this viewing, yeah, I mean, it was this uh, the sailor uh, that she runs out of gas in this little town, and the shopkeep is a real dick to her. Doesn't believe her story, tells her just to fend for herself. Then the sailor comes out of nowhere. Uh, he's trying to get back to the shore, and he uh, wakes up the shopkeep to get gasoline. And he starts like putting the moves on her, but then she starts talking about her uh, issue with the hitchhiker and the insanity and the terror, and uh, uh, scares him off. And she kind of turns the table on him. His really kind of threatening presence, like uh, you know, if she wasn't already dead, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. be more worried about her with this sailor guy in the car. Um, it kind of, if you've ever seen the Roman Polanski film Repulsion, uh, which stars Catherine Deneuve uh, from the 60s, the, the subtitle to Repulsion should basically be all men are scum mm-hmm. because every man in the movie treats the main character like utter shit and like border like assaults her constantly. So she just starts murdering them. Nice. Uh, which is probably what should have <laughs> happened in this movie. <laughs> Uh, or this Twilight Zone episode, but that that's a great movie that this always kind of reminded me of. But I like this story because it's kind of spooky and mm-hmm. kind of elegiac and just a really – it's not the most profound. You know, it, it doesn't have mm-hmm. a lot of meaning to it, 
But it, it's like in terms of like tone and execution, it's one of the ones that always sticks with me because it's a lot of fun. It's just a fun little horror story. Super yeah. unnerving. Uh, yes. One of the most unnerving things in the world. We talked about it in Mulholland Drive. Uh, it's all over Twin Peaks: The Return. Uh, David Lynch in general, which is broad daylight, unobfuscated objects of terror. Yes, that yes. he probably he yeah. probably really likes the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, like the the hitchhiker at one point when she's when she's uh, stuck at the detour and he's just right there, yeah. and getting closer, and then he's right up to the car. This thing that she's convinced doesn't even actually exist. And he's just standing right there, and he tries to talk to her, and she just starts hysterically screaming and and drives away. That that broad daylight object of terror, yeah, is uh, fantastic. Uh, what really struck me was in like twenty five minutes, this episode did what uh, I I call a great movie, Carnival of Souls. That is a great movie. Which is spoiler alert. The same thing, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The same, the, the same exact story, uh, and this show better though. I, I, I think I yes, better. But it's astounding at how close this comes to that kind of quality in like twenty two minutes. Yes, but, but there's like a, a scene in that which um, I've always found incredible, which is uh, she's walking around and nobody can hear her. <laughs> Um, and this episode did that. that that's that's the part of what I found uh, affecting in this is continually going to people, going uh, to strangers on her journey, and nobody's believing her or not. They're not even listening to her, <laughs> you know. Um, and then I also thought, like, taking a, the extra the, another step. It's like, oh, this is kind of really cool and creepy that she, she could be playing the ghost to all of these characters she's interacting with. You, you know the story of the, uh, the guy picking up a hitchhiker and f- finding out, oh, it was a ghost. That's what happens f- to the sailor. You know what I mean? Yes. Or it could be Donald Trump. You guys ever hear that one? No. There, there, there's like a chain email that goes around saying a guy pitch, picked up a hitchhiker and it was Donald Trump, oh, and Donald Trump gave him like a million dollars for helping him out. Jesus Christ! Boo! Boo! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Justin, yes, what episode of the Twilight Zork did you watch and want to talk about? I wanted to talk about uh, a great episode, uh, one of my personal favorites. I shot an arrow into the air. Justin has to look at it on his phone because he repeatedly <laughs> used the wrong title uh, when we weren't recording. I shot a rocket into the air. I shot an arrow into the sky. <laughs> um. Uh, so the first uh, rocket shot into space with a lot of stock footage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And this they, episode, by the way, is from 1960. We were dead in the middle of the space race. Mm-hmm. Do, do we know, was that before Yuri Gagarin, I'm assuming? I think this is after. Because it was a little goofy. But anyway, go ahead. It was goofy. Yeah. So they lose track of the rocket. Uh-oh. We cut two. Uh, half of the crew have died, and one other's dying, and there's three that are living, and one of the guys is an uh, uh, unrepentant asshole. 
and he wants to uh, preserve the water for them. And they're on this other planet, maybe. <gasps> oh, not a not a planet. It's uh, the or an a- or an uncharted uh, asteroid uh, uh, with the same asteroid. mass and atmosphere as Earth. Yes, <laughs> that didn't immediately crush them. <laughs> um, through different machinations of sorts, uh, that asshole uh, murders people. And because he wants the water. And then he says at the end of the episode, after climbing a ship, he says, Oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. It was Earth. I hate every ape I see. From chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> Folks, we're going to switch to a Simpsons podcast. Um, <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> uh, I think this is an uh, awesome episode. It's, it's very... Um, it's it's uh, Rod Serling at his angriest. I made yeah. an Instagram post about this once. Uh, that Rod Serling uh, is a cross between uh, Werner Herzog and Jack Kerouac. He has a, an amazing beat poetry monologue in the middle of it uh, about Mr. Corey. Mr. Corey, last remaining member of a doomed crew. Keep moving. Make tracks, Mr. Corey. Push up and push out because if you stop... If you stop, maybe sanity will get you by the throat. Maybe realization will pry open your mind and the horror you left down in the sand will seep in. Yeah, Mr. Corey, yeah, you better keep moving. That's the order of the moment. Keep moving. Guilt in the sun. He has much better politics than Jack Kerouac did. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad he's dead. All of them. (laughs) But yeah, he uh, so he did kind of uh, reuse this plot for Planet of the Apes. Yes. <laughs> uh, no faulting on that, though. People do that kind of shit with their work all the time. This was just a very effective one of like the if you want to distill what the Twilight Zone is at its purest yes. essence to people. It's this episode. Yeah. Uh uh, subtext being that Nevada is a lawless, godforsaken <laughs> hellhole. Yes, which it was, especially at the time. Because <laughs> he sees a sign, uh, folks, if you've not seen it, uh, where the alien planet turns out to be Reno, Nevada. Uh, <laughs> he was just outside of. Um, and probably pretty true to life. You know, there are probably plenty of bodies in that fucking desert. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, it was it was pretty goofy. I know this isn't the point, but I all sorts of goofiness, like the notion. Did before we actually learned about space, did we just assume everything in space was just more Earth? Yeah, I think we assumed that everything was habitable. Blue skies, clouds. No, no, they, they, they. 
made an effort toward that. They mentioned like it's lucky that oh look the the sun's exactly we must be in the same orbit. Yeah, and it's with the, the same perfect atmosphere. atmosphere and but, the same gravitational attraction. But and, I like that they carry multiple guns with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to start shooting whatever we find. It's the yeah. most American thing you could possibly do yeah. with space travel is hey, alien life form, kablam. Yeah. Yeah, let Ooh. me let me explore this asteroid with this fucking British Sten gun yeah. for some fucking reason. Now, the, the episode didn't... It honestly didn't have to be they were going into space. It could have been they were on a, uh, uh, an airplane that goes down in the yeah. wilderness. Yeah. Um, they set up the stakes. It took Kaboom. four and a half years to build that rocket. It'll mm. take four and a half more to come get us. Kaboom. <laughs> I'm just doing my Simpsons Charles Bronson impression now. Hey, Bally. What's the line I wrote for you to do in that accent? You know. No, damn it. <laughs> I wouldn't have to have killed you if you were already dead. Kaboom. Ma, can I have some cookies? <laughs> no dice. <laughs> oh, man. I used, to have, I used to have an excellent Charles Bronson. <laughs> Uh, you used to have an excellent Charles Bronson from, from the, the Simpsons. Simpsons. From the Simpsons, yes. That's those are two distinct impressions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bally. That was basically it. Uh, Jesus. Tom. Yeah. What episode did you do? I'm Floyd Bernie. I'm a rockabilly boy. I'm Floyd Bernie, a rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? Man, they don't want me. I want somebody else. I don't even sing that kind of song. I'm with the big beat. Wait, listen, I'll show you. This is my stuff. Here, listen. My baby's like a honey tree, sweet as can be. Now, she don't go with other cats. She only digs me. I love this episode. I love this episode so much. This was... Did we all have this episode on deck as one that we picked? Like, oh, yeah. Because, like, I just... off the, When Justin asked, what episode do you want to do? Off the top of my head, first one was this one. Yeah. I think... We all kind of love it. Uh, so this is Come Wander With Me, which is a rockabilly singer, Floyd Bernie, with the big beat. Uh, he goes to... <laughs> You're not doing it with uh, enough of a um, Chris Farley cadence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, and down by the river. Yes. <laughs> Played by Bing it. Crosby's son. Branson Crosby. Mm -hmm. uh, I could look it up. I'm not gonna. Uh, well, I have it right Anyway, so he's a, a rock and roll singer, and uh, he hears of this place in the middle of nowhere where there's this uh, uh, music guy who's got a, got a treasure trove of old public domain folk songs, and he's looking for that next big hit. So uh, it's Gary Crosby. Boring. Anyway, so uh, he goes out there, and he finds this barn with this mysterious old man, and the room is filled with these antique musical instruments. And uh, he uh, talks to the old man, who seems to be from another time, uh, about selling one of uh, the, the folk songs to him, who he refuses. But then he hears this haunting melody. He said, come wander with me, love. Come wander with me away. Me. 
Nope. We can. We can just put it in the clip of the song. And he, he's like, you're holding out on me, Dad. Hey, Daddy-O, Papa hey, Beans. Daddy-o. <laughs> you're holding out on me, Daddy-O. <laughs> Uh, so he runs out into the forest for a long time, which is, seems to be a common motif on the show. He throws a rock at a bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of an asshole, this boy, Bernie. The, the, the biggest asshole. He is one of fiction's, like, great dipshits. Yes. <laughs> Truly. And he keeps passing this mysterious robed figure, uh, Mary Rachel, uh, played by Bonnie Beecher in her debut, kind of a folk singer-actress. Mm-hmm. Ran around with the folk crowd. Uh, gave Bob Dylan a haircut once, and he wrote a song about it. Mm. Uh, and is now married to Wavy Gravy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. May we all be married to Wavy Gravy. <laughs> uh, uh, who's the, the this uh, beautiful folk wood sprite lady? And uh, she, she uh, is, like, obviously a mystical thing, but Floyd Bernie can't figure it out. And uh, uh, so he gets the song from her after he... Petroves himself to her, and but then the lyrics of the song come true, which is that uh, there were uh, the Rayford boys, including Billy Rayford, uh, who were going to marry Mary Rochelle and Rachel, and then uh, Floyd Bernie took him away, and they came and they shot him. <laughs> well, not before Floyd Bernie uh, uh, kills, a, shit kills a man one, with one strong um, uh, Captain Kirk. <laughs> a Kirk hammer punch. Where are you going, old man? Right yes. in the dome. And then a long backing away sequence. <laughs> a dog it's one of my favorite things in the world. We'll, so we'll, we'll put good. it in. Uh, so i have to do this as a guitar nerd Mm. guy which is um that uh floyd bernie just turned up without a case when they were brand new at the time with just a absurdly expensive even back then Mm. uh gibson es295 just like out and about that they airbrushed his name onto and he just like Plops it on the counter and well, uh, he's Floyd Bernie. <laughs> Floyd Bernie, he can buy a million of those. <laughs> he's got the dough, Dad, Daddyo, uh, and then the 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 room with all the old antique instruments, and then he smashes. Uh, I don't know. I just uh, it was yeah. a small little slice of uh, stuff uh, for um. Uh, it's always risky when in a piece of art, a piece of art is um. Uh, an active part of the plot. It's always risky because, like, it's supposed to be good. This is a great fucking song. <laughs> the song is amazing. The song's amazing, um, and it works so well. I have, it, it's a, it was once covered by a, a band called British Sea Power mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. their soundtrack to an excellent documentary from the 30s called Man of Aaron, mm. uh, and it works really beautifully in there. It's it's they, it's a hell of a song. Man, we're just going to put clips in so you can listen to it. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize, and I'll cut this out if I need to, but to get super fucking guitar nerdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very recognizably that Gibson guitar, but I noticed that they did something, which happens all the time in media if you, if you look for it, which is they put a black piece of tape over the name on the headstock, which is the company name, the maker's mark. And I thought, how strange that they were doing that even back then. But then I remembered that uh, Twilight Zone was produced by CBS, 
who had just bought the Fender Musical Instruments Company, and they didn't want to put their competition oh. on the television. I did not know that. Fascinating. Fascinating to me and me alone. <laughs> to tens of record store employees all over the world. Probably not. One of which is, I hope, listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes. No, that that's the moment that made him turn off. <laughs> Um, I think this this episode. I think we all love it for its supreme goofiness. Yeah. In the terms of, though, I think the, the it's it's a great performance because the character is supposed to be this complete <laughs> asshole, dipshit asshole and, who is just bumbles dick first in everything. Yeah, and he's great. But yeah. I think it's also a fascinating kind of a little complex. Uh, episode uh, uh, it's a man stumbling into a murder ballad um, which you know it's this was their folk music episode when folk music was huge and it was really hidden yeah. and and it, it's kind of like a scathing indictment of <laughs> of phonies uh coming in and and taking these old songs and it's repeated by the uh the lady character that you know like uh you know i i this is i don't remember what she says <laughs> but basically oh, it's not yours it, yeah it's it's not yours and then it becomes his and you know what i mean yeah um, um it it becomes his to a fatal extent Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I, I really love about this episode, not to, cause there is some like haunting, cool, oh, profound yeah. things you could say about it, but I also find rockabilly to be the funniest yeah. musical genre and look yeah. in history. It is so funny to me and it's so perfect yeah. that they made this incredible, like stupid asshole, <laughs> a rockabilly guy. Cause I think even back then they were like, this music's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, these people are stupid. Uh, one thing with this episode is that as the uh, plot of the murder ballad unfolds, new verses are added to the song, which describe what's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's a tremendous opportunity for parody. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, Justin took his hat off. <laughs> His hat's not on his head. <laughs> but, like, what if the relationship just kept getting worse? Like, what if they actually did leave together and then, but like, the mother in law moved in? She's just staying the weekend. I can't put her out. Uh, you know. Et cetera. <laughs> you do the hard work of actually coming up with what would be funny. Do the heavy lifting yourself on these jokes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We're not be here really to funny. Any of the let, jokes. Let me explain a premise. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day, guys. Yeah, Twilight the Zone. Twilight Zone, ladies and gents. It's the it's the best show. Uh, I'm withholding judgment on the new one until I see it. Um, but yeah, we'll report back when we. Do see it because I, I would like to check it out, but I have heard it's not good. I love what you are to me. Is it to see? Is it to be?
this week on the pod. Plat lads. Groove? Denied? Denied! <laughs> Groove denied. That's right. We're talking about the brand spanking new uh, album by Stephen Malkmus. Uh, no jicks. Just Stephen Malkmus on this one. Yeah, well, that's what I had a question about because I bought it on iTunes and it's, it says Stephen Malkmus and the jicks. But then the cover doesn't have that. <laughs> uh, so Spotify just says Stephen Malkmus. Yeah. iTunes is weird with its like representation of artists and song titles sometimes. Yeah. So I bought this record at the aforementioned record store anecdote. And I bought it on vinyl because I like Stephen Malkmus that much. And I have it over here. And it's cool. It's on clear vinyl. But my turntables are broken. Both of them. Plural. <laughs> My one broke, and then I dug out another one, and it also is broken. So I can't listen to it on that. But it came with a download card. So I was like, ah, oh, sweet. The main reason I wanted to do this anyway. So I downloaded it. And as I was doing so, there was a little box at the Matador website that I could click. And it said, would you like to download FLAC files instead of MP3s? I was like, FLAC? That sounds fancy and high fidelity. I'll surely take those instead of your MP3s. So I clicked that. Here's the thing. FLAC files can't be read by iTunes or any Macintosh software. So I've been listening. No, you have to use a converter. <laughs> so I've been listening to it on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so FLAC files were like a hot thing when I was in college for bands to release like vinyl copies digitally. And I, it sounds like they're still doing that. Um, but then come to find out, you literally can't listen to those on Apple software, which is how pretty much everybody listens to music on their computer nowadays. Um, and so you have to actually like convert it and, and put it into an MP3. So my groove has been denied uh, horribly. <coughs> so this record, kind of a weird record. So uh, uh, during the wig out at Jag, Jag Bags period, Stephen Malkmus uh, had moved to Berlin, Germany, uh, partially in support of the career of his wife, whose name I do not know, uh, who is a fine artist and sculptor. And uh, get off Instagram, Justin. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Instagram. Uh, Justin, stop jacking off to Instagram thoughts. I mean, uh, suppose apparently in uh, Hawaii now. Uh, happy. Uh, Happy Hawaii, Subo. <laughs> and Natalia. Happy honeymoon. Jesus. That's anyway, weird. So, so Stephen Malkmus, influenced by the kraut rock uh, electronica scene in Berlin, came back to uh, Oregon and made this record, which has a heavy... Uh, it's, it's a bedroom record, quintessentially. So he plays all the instruments himself, including the drums and bass, for which he normally has a jick do it. Uh, and but then there's also just like straight that up. Kind of sounds like a slur. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, no, it's a combination of jerk and dick. It's a yeah. it's, it's a known thing. Uh, and uh, and then it's just synth and drum machines for a lot of the tracks. Uh, it's kind of cool because he he made a record kind of the way that me and Justin and a lot of musicians of our current times make records, which we don't have full bands. We don't go in the studios. We make bedroom records. Uh, anyway, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but then the record label Matador. We're like, no, this is too weird. We need you to make us more money than this. So record a regular Jix record. So they shelved it. They denied his groove. But he made Sparkle Hard, which is pretty pretty good. It's okay. I like it. It's, I like it. It's uh, 
I can kind of tell that his heart wasn't in it. Yeah. Listening yeah. to this. Yeah, I, I like We Got a Jag Bags more of the Jicks yeah. period stuff. But yeah, it's okay. Listen, listening to Groove Denied has made me like Sparkle Hard less. Yeah. Because there, uh, um, there is a vitality... In the it's music. more interesting. Yeah, and and yeah, absolutely, a, a vitality in this album that is not there in Sparkle Hard, which I could sense a little, but you, I couldn't really feel it until I heard this. It's really kind of a bummer because it kind of means that Sparkle Hard's kind of like a second effort kind of thing. Though I mean, I have something like um, I forget what song. But there are a few. There's a, a song on Sparkle Hard that has some weird auto tunesiness that he also uses on this album, and which also I okay. Wh- where I come out on this album is I like it a lot. I have a feeling if I listen once I listen to it more, I'm going to love this album a lot. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the album. The hyper, well, not the hype, but the hype slash mystery slash the fastness of the rumors to this coming out put a weird uh, uh, thing in my head about what this was supposed to be. I was thinking, and what I feel was sold to me was here's Stephen Malkmus's uh, shelved Electronica album. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, he he made this record, and I think he. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of wondering how good of a label Matador really is, especially to like their like flagship artist who like more or less who kinda... keep leaving. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Malkmus hasn't left, and uh, Pavement Summer Babe was their first single ever, so you kind of wonder what they're thinking about. But anyway, uh, so yeah, no, he he kept kind of like alluding to this record, and I think he was pretty unhappy that it was shelved, and he would talk about it in interviews, in one of the promotional videos for Sparkle Hard when he does an acoustic set, he has a laptop, and he jams a few songs intermittently that we now know are tracks from Groove Denied, and even the name of the record, Groove Denied, the yeah. album art it being uh, a a record that is bound up with uh, duct tape with a big X across the front of like caution tape. Um, but we kind of thought it was going to be, it was, it's kind of like cut in half. You know what I mean? Yes. There are very normal Malcolm's Malcolm tracks and some that are great. Some of his best ever. Uh, yeah. I mean like I, uh, come, come get me has been owning my soul. Somebody come get me. I'm all alone here. I can't see any reason to wallow in this decanter. Slowly, hard in the long term, he will change. Love in the sunburn, he will change. Yeah, it, and it's weird because it's like it's preceded by this deliberately alienating, deliberately alienating electronic yeah. stuff that he's doing. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me sort of think I need to sit with this record a little bit more. It, it almost reminds me of, and he just passed away very recently, uh, late period Scott Walker 
yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, yes, like yeah. uh, the the drift in Bishbosh and 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 his latter the latter half of his career. Uh, and I always feel like I have to sit with those albums a lot and listen to them quite a few times to really get into a a proper appreciation of what they're doing. And I kind of felt that way with this album because my my current standing is that I respect it a lot. And I'm not sure if I'm converted totally over to liking it a lot yet. Like I mm. it's it's not it doesn't have that thing that like tugs that little string in my heart that 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 drills into my brain that makes me want to listen to it, you know, constantly the way that I do with a lot of, of Stephen Malkmus stuff and a lot of pavement stuff. Um, but I think I can get there. I just need to like sit in this album's space. Mm. I really, I'm, I share your kind of skepticism about future acceptance because this record is so cut in half. Mm. Uh, yeah. The second half of the album, I immediately loved. Yes. Cause it's a, a Stephen Malkmus. Yeah. album more or less yeah and the first half i like i i honestly i i have to live with it more but i kind of think maybe sequencing of the tracks if they blended it a little more but he probably did that deliberately so i kind of wonder if i'm ever really going to fully uh take in like a uh uh was this Belziger face plant or mm-hmm. uh, and and there's a vit- you, you mentioned the vitality there's a vitality throughout the whole record mm-hmm. he played all the instruments himself and it almost seems like there are things on this record that there are facilities of shadows of on both wig out and sparkle heart because yes. I kind of think that this album predates both yeah because if he was just back from Berlin that was Oh, uh, yeah. before wig out yeah absolutely and and that's how like uh, often like songwriting and stuff will work you'll be working on something for years while you're completing other stuff for instance like uh uh the bass in a bit wilder <laughs> uh is definitely copied in uh it's on wig out uh Uh, plug it in there (laughs) and there's a there's a put in the clip it it has a lot of the spirit and frankly sometimes i think that malkmus like scott walker has a vitality as an artist that is kind of historically in his career uh, a little rough a little experimental uh but just everything he's been a part of has been a little bit like mindfully, deliberately loose in a constructive yeah. way. And maybe with Sparkle Hard, and I'm going to lump in Wig Out, uh, there's kind of a smothering uh, refinement. Mm. And uh, obviously, the Jicks could make all of these songs happen live, but I don't know. It's just when I compare it, especially to sparkle hard, this is, this is the Malcolmus record that I needed. Yeah. Like I, I'll say like, um, like obviously some of the more electronic stuff you, you couldn't really see the Jicks performing. The second half of the album is just his music. It's the Jicks could perform it, but, um, 
allowing himself to uh, do it all himself. Uh, this, I think my favorite song on the album, Grown Nothing, um, has, a, has a like uh, lounginess and uh, a soulfulness that I don't that I think is unique to having a drum machine. If you get what I mean. Where will you go? I cannot imagine you outside of your frequency. Baby, be a dying tree. How will we know? Everybody's watering. Everybody's trying out. I'd like to imagine out. Yeah, I I see what you're driving at. It's almost like it reminds me of like the beat that would come off like one of those old Farfisa or Wolitzer yes. kind of organs, and it was meant just like just I'm imagining a little swanky lounge in a third-rate hotel. Yeah, and uh, it's it's the song that out of the songy songs, um, I could um see him only being able to write it using these tools that he used to do you know what i mean like like rushing the acid front that's just like a yeah uh a, a fun you know groovy pavement song yeah yeah uh come get me is has uh so simple and this is three for three now with middle america Mm -hmm. laureate and now come find me where just sort of utter simplicity and a very similar musical hook really short songs uh and just uh, just inexplicable emotional impact yeah uh, that song, I don't know about you guys, but that song is so uh, sad. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. It's so melancholy. Uh, for me, I think it might be... For me, the thing it evoked in my Warshock test is it's uh, the spirit sense of online dating. Mm. Mm. Uh, won't somebody come find me? Uh, I don't belong here. Uh, I see no reason to wallow in this decanter. <laughs> Uh, uh, we could be special. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, nobody's looking. No one cares. <laughs> mm. uh, it's sort of uh, the feeling of modern loneliness, maybe. I think I, I think I said earlier that I'm, it's going to take me some more listening, and I'm going to love it. Um, but I think that's what it is. Is that I haven't. It takes me like the sixth listen to hear the lyrics. <laughs> I'm kind of the same way with lyrics, unless they really, really stick out. <clears throat> like that, I don't make connections with lyrics necessarily always right away. Yeah, though the lyrics are the thing that uh, stick with me the most and that I love the most about music. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, me and Tom were talking about this. This feels very face the truth. And in in all of it, it feels very pre. Um, uh, what's the album um, that uh, we love? Mirror traffic. Mirror traffic. It, it feels very mirror traffic. 
uh, uh, pre-mirror traffic, which is exciting. That's it feels youthful and um, as opposed to these what I like to think immaculate uh, pop songs. Yeah, he's kind of rediscovering his artistic impulse into middle age, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. Looking great while doing it with all these press photos mm. that are the visual for the song mm-hmm. Come Get Me in the video, which you can watch online. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, Face the Truth was a basement record mm-hmm. that he recorded at home. And this is, I think, quintessentially a bedroom record. Yeah in the very modern sense of what that means. Like even, even that little snippet you played reminded me heavily of, uh, I'm sure there's a million more accurate comparisons, but it kind of reminded me of sneaks. Yeah. Bit wilder. Yeah. 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 Uh, another kind of minimalist bedroom artist, which my, I don't, did I say this? I don't think I did. The songs that I love are, are on the second half. And those are the most Malcolmissy songs. And those are the ones that disappoint me. I wanted him to go off in this weird new direction. It made me kind of sad for him that this album was the one that he was denied. Uh, And so much of the second half is, to me, quintessential Stephen Malkmus. It could have gone on any of his records. And I was excited for... uh, I think it's him to be doing weird, different stuff. I think it's uh, Victor Borgia, I think is the best ex- uh, example of this, where he, uh, that album, that song is all synth, all sequencer, uh, really cool groove that he sets up. But then it's a very melodic yes. <laughs> Stephen Malcolm song. I think he can't escape himself. I think he yeah. he is what he is. He's just a he's just damned to be a handsome hit machine. <laughs> and I, somebody's really good at writing pop songs. And that's kind of what made me sad for him because I kind of felt the um a uh, 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 sympathy uh, and empathy for him because can we? I think we can all understand the idea of getting really super hyped about a thing you're working on, right? And you think, oh, this is so cool and different, and then you show it to someone, and they say. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of like this thing. Oh, it kind of <laughs> sounds like the other thing you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, I feel, and maybe this is completely. This is definitely completely inaccurate. I feel deflated for him. For him, I'm thankful to God that we have this melodic genius of Stephen Malkmus and get this record that has some great fucking shit on it. But I feel sad for him that, yeah, he can't escape that. I I think he might want to try to punch some meat like Scott Walker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or do, like, go full metal machine music and just yeah. record yeah. setting up two speakers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's touring this one solo, and you hoped he would just be ensconced in wires and blinking lights, yeah. but it seems like he's probably going to have, like, a laptop and a guitar. Now, if if the hype around it was, here's a Stephen Malkmus solo album, then I'd know exactly what this was going to be, and, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I still have to 
wrap my head around it. I think I might grow to love this album. I might too. I just I really have to spend more time with it. Yeah. I already love it. I listened to it first time uh drunk and my uh my inner spirit uh recognized uh its sustenance mm-hmm. and I wrote a really gushing Instagram post that I later deleted. But <laughs> I uh yeah, I mean Mark of a true baller. Yeah. <laughs> or a teenager. Uh I should get a Finsta <laughs> for that kind of shit. But I mean, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh Groove approved. <laughs> groove approved. I give it seven bananas. <laughs> I give it three terror twilights. I give it um Wowie Zowie <laughs> <laughs> I love Wowie Zowie. It's a great record. Better than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well yeah. no I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I I'm not no no. I I I'm probably but I legitimately have a feeling like if I give it more time, I don't know. Cause some this of that shit on the end of it is great. Human stock, no one would ever have me. No leverage, what could I do but sail across the ocean for revenge? I know you thought about me. Watching these three episodes, I think it is uh, fully decided that, Frank, uh, you are the hitchhiker. Um, Tom, you're the water murder guy from from the space episode. And I'm Floyd Bernie, the rockabilly boy. (laughs) Wait, hang on. You you know it's true. Just admit it. Why? <laughs> Look at your sad hangdog eyes. You did an impression of it. That's very compelling. Oh, man. And you don't have a car. <laughs> oh, I, I do. I just uh, I'm not bringing it to Philadelphia because fuck that parking in South Philly. Why am I the murderous? Because you have black Why hair and, you, and you've murdered a man. <laughs> I've got black hair outside of Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Fine, you're the third uh, dead body in a line. <laughs> nah, I'd rather be Corey. Uh, okay, pause again. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm. Uh, oh god, what was his character's name? Probably like uh, Usmami. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he has that great monologue where he learns to fly. Yeah. I can fly now, Cora. Yeah, empty yourself <laughs> like wind. <laughs> I'm going to suck the wind out of you and make you die. It was cool. It was cool as shit. Yeah, Tom. Whoa. When you finish your broccoli. I have a... I think... Different enough. I don't know. I don't think you can compare them in that way. Because last airbender is... No. Wait a second. Wait a second. Who's that over there? Is it Dr. Fraser Crane? I don't think it is. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Who? Who? Wait a second! My dad's calling. Hello. Yeah. Are those the blues? Uh, no, th- I'm I'm recording. I'm recording a podcast. No, that. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. I think. Okay. No, that's not his dad. Frazier? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Oh, Frazier Crane! his dad's chair he gets rid of dad's chair the fucking grunge guy is real i'm not crazy i'm not crazy give him a chair frazier sees an empty give him a chair give him the chair <laughs> give him a chair wait yeah i'm floyd birdie <laughs> yeah. hang on frazier season 18 1919 give him of give him the chair just give him the chair. Wait, Justin. Give him the chair. Give him the fucking chair. What's that? Justin. What's in the box? That yes. was the grunge guy? <laughs> no. no. Yeah, it's the grunge That's guy. That's the grunge guy. Oh, whoa. Come on. Dr. Crane, make way. Right, now, just be careful now, Leo. Watch the furniture and the walls. Excuse me, but I happen to be a professional. I take a lot of pride in my work, and I never... Oh, how'd that get there? <laughs> At least I didn't lose my license this time, right? All right, all right. Quickly, quickly. I'm sure Beavis will start to wonder where you are. You you asked me when I was doing my rewatch, yeah. did you get to the grunge guy yet? Yeah. Be- this is the grunge guy? Yes, because it's so kind of out of place. Terrible. He's, it's he's really fu- bad. He's fucking poochy. Yes. Like, they're clearly setting him up to be a recurring character, and then they just... Yeah, exactly. They just have a title card at the end of this episode. Uh, uh, what was his name? Lyle dies on his way back to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a wizard did it. <laughs> it's a really... <laughs> Damn it, Frank. No, no, this is a great episode. No, we're not this is this is the best episode we've seen so far. This is the most Frasery episode we've seen so far. I yeah. love it. There's so much great stuff going on. It's it's got the best final image. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Frasier coquettishly blowing kisses to the uh, middle school production of Ten Little Indians audience with a fake mustache receiving a bouquet. Uh, wonderful. All right, so. <laughs> Frazier gets Who rid was- of his dad's chair, and uh, they they bring in this expensive new uh, chair, uh, and we get to see everybody make a fake orgasm face. I never knew a chair could be this satisfying. I never knew that anything could. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> right, now, so I'm sure it would fit right in with all of Maris's 18th century antiques. Well, then I'll just rent it an apartment and visit it on the side. Oh, mommy. Hello. Oh, oh, oh. This is enough to make me give up my search for a meaningful relationship. Oh, quick, oh. quick, that dad, get out, get out, get out, get out. Oh, all right. Just like a man. Now you've had your fun, you don't care where I am. That's disgusting. I, it, it, I enjoy all of the orgasms. <laughs> they one are by funny. One. They are I, set up I enjoy the, the blouse stuffing. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Blouse stuffing gag. That was a good one. That was because that what makes that gag less creepy than the other ones is that it becomes clear when Frazier walks in on it that they are that Daphne and and Niles are on the same page. Yes. About what this interaction is and what's happening. And they are hiding the same thing because it was mutual. There was not a misunderstanding here. 
like uh, Niall's eyes didn't go crossed and he didn't fall over with a boner <laughs> uh, while Daphne did something completely innocuous. Yes. Um, they were both, this was a mutual interaction. Yes. And, uh, and I think honestly, uh, what was the episode? I don't remember when we did it, but the one uh, at Niles's house, I think that episode kind of really reset it. And I think we're, we're clear guys. We're pretty clear in terms of, Most, of that. Mostly probably, yeah. Um, and, and I was very happy because it made it not gross that for, Niles was not present when Daphne sat on the chair. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, and had her, her uh, platform orgasm. Yeah, they allowed that joke to be the same joke that Fraser and Niles had, and they didn't have to turn it into something oh, gross. Makes me think about giving up looking for a boyfriend, <laughs> yes. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and then when Martin sits down in the orgasm chair, the <laughs> orgasm <laughs> trunk. accent is slowly becoming uh, probably offensive to people who are not British, and it's it's approaching <laughs> some sort of ethnicity that we should not be making fun of. <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Francis? <laughs> Well, if nobody's taking this, I could put it in my room. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, got my hand in the cookie tin. (laughs) Justin, can we have a coup on this podcast and overthrow Tom? (laughs) What? I am not a dictator. I'm sending you both to Fraser Jail. I will happily be in Fraser, Siberia, uh, because I get to wear those like thick uh, uh, suit coats. <laughs> All right, okay. Can we talk about the the play and the wonderful performance by the lady? Can we? Before that, I want I want to say throughout this episode, I confused this episode with three other episodes. I thought, based on the premise, that this was the episode that. The um, the chair falls uh, off the balcony, and then Fraser had oh, to uh, replace it. Yeah, yeah, with the same kind of chair. Yeah, yeah. Then when he finds out that um, uh, somebody has the chair, I um, thought this was the episode where he goes to the crazy super fan's house. And in my mind, this crazy super fan took his father's chair as memorabilia. But that was actually the episode where he lost the tape and had to get the tape from the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So I was very um, delighted when it turned out that it was the Frasers in a child's play. By the way, cameo by none other than Brittany Murphy. Not a, not a cameo Murphy. at that point in her career. That was no, <laughs> yeah, she was just in it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, as one of the teenagers in the production, mm-hmm. great performance by the uh, teacher lady. Yes, whose, whose name we should probably look up. We should probably look up IMDb's. Uh, and then I uh, just um, during this discussion mistook this episode for the one where there's the Cheers play with Di- uh, with uh, Diane. Diane and uh, are there any it? other episodes of things that this reminds you of? Well, Did you watch the episode, Justin? Lynch. No. <laughs> John Carroll Lynch was in that episode you're thinking of, Justin. He plays the Fraser character. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which then that makes me think of all of the <laughs> Fraser, uh, the Cheers episodes on here. Uh, so I'm just, 
I'm going to be the. F- I will rule with an iron fist, and we will talk about John Mahoney's speech that he gets all misty eyed. I tell you what kind of chair I want. I want the chair that I saw the moon landing and saw the moon landing on. and had my first BJ. <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what chair I want. I want the chair I was sitting in when I watched Neil Armstrong take his first step on the moon, and when the U.S. hockey team beat the Russians in the '80 Olympics. I want the chair I was sitting in the night you called me to tell me I had a grandson. I want the chair I was in all those nights when your mother used to wake me up with a kiss after I'd fallen asleep in front of the television. You know, I still fall asleep in it. And every once in a while, when I wake up, I still expect your mother to be there ready to lead me off to bed. Oh, never mind. It's only a chair. Usually all for uh, a Martin Crane uh, putting Frazier in his place uh, emotional speech. I wasn't buying this one. <laughs> See, this is the only one I thought worked. No, I was like, oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> what? Get over it, old man. <laughs> <laughs> I, who have previously said I want to push this old man down the stairs, <laughs> was brought to tears by oh. this speech. That is somehow unmoving, Justin. <laughs> it didn't work on me. Not this time. <laughs> it was a little awkwardly placed in the episode. Yeah. Like, it came right on the heels of a, of a Daphne gag. Mm. Um, okay. Okay, guys. Whatever. Are we done talking about this? Very funny episode. It is very it funny. It is very funny. It's, it's a classic. It's one of the episodes I think about when I think about Frasier. Shut up. That's a platitude you keep saying. We're going to talk about what a dick Frasier is to Niles about Maris a couple times. In this episode. He is. He really is. This yeah. was the first time that I felt they went too far. Like He comes at her looks pretty hard. Yeah. And like straight up ab- about her looks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not, like, going around it. He's just that, calling her ugly. That is ameliorated somewhat by the fact that we never see Maris. So there yeah. is never an actress attached to this for yeah, me. But it, um, it's... This time, that, I think that's what it is. This time it wasn't at so absurd, the stuff that they were saying. Yeah, know? yeah. He was just saying, your wife got a lot of uh, plastic surgery and she's ugly. And your wife is ugly face. now. We get some great Kelsey Grammer mugs when he's when he's saying these things. Yeah. Just kind of like, um, <laughs> what I'm saying is true he, and it's galling to you. He also makes a great face when he walks in on Daphne and uh, Niles. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, uh, also, very early in the episode thing, who was the German guy? Oh yeah, I don't you know. Look it up. Look it up, Justin. You're unprepared. I know that that's its own song, but yeah. it also feels like a Simpsons reference. It probably is. Uh, the Simpsons have surely used it. Come on, Justin. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. Jesus fucking Christ. Usually Frasier Just Bedia, go to the cast list. Usually Frasier Bedia works wonders. Just go to the cast list on IMDb. Um... <laughs> the pod is over. <laughs> We've all gone we home. We've all stopped recording. 
This is all staying in. Okay, here we go. I don't want the transcript. Jesus Christ! Ladies and gentlemen, how have you liked the full two minutes of silence? Justin has futilely looked up on his phone information that would be easily findable on the internet movie database <laughs> he has tried to look up using frangerpedia <laughs> it has never oh 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 no <laughs> malcolm mcdowell malcolm mcdowell malcolm mcdowell that was a long road to go for Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. That's worth Malcolm it. McDowell's that's, that's... A, a big guy. He is a big guy. He loves California Pizza Kitchen. Do you know that about him? What? He loves California Pizza Kitchen, the chain pizza restaurant. Why? He just loves the fucking pizza. He will take his son there like every week. <laughs> You're coming at me for looking up information on my phone. I fucking fired that off of the top of my dome. Why? Why is that in your dome? (laughs) I didn't take ten minutes looking at Frasierpedia. Um, I I hear uh, Albert Finney's a big uh, fan of Steak and Shake. (laughs) I bet he is because he's fucking dead. Uh, oh, well. Oh man, Fraser, everybody, <laughs> Fraser. It's time. I'm for do 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 do. Recommend. They shot. We could have made it like a Scott Walker tribute, but that would make us too sad. Yeah. He lived a good life. He did. He lived a long time. He had a long career. A lot of good music in there. It's true. And a lot of meat punching. A lot of meat, lot punching. Of meat punching. Recommendation time. Uh, uh, what do you recommend, Frank? Yeah, Frank. Uh, so they recently released the trailer for the Deadwood movie on HBO, and it has spurred an interest in me to do a full Deadwood rewatch because Deadwood has long been in the pantheon of shows that I love, uh, like top-tier shows that I love. And it wasn't until this rewatch that I think it solidly places itself in the upper echelons of television history. Uh, It is a show, if you've not seen it, it lasted for three seasons on HBO. It takes place in the titular town of Deadwood, South Dakota, before it is annexed by the United States government. Uh, and includes a bevy of historical characters, including Wild Bill Hickok, Seth Bullock, Al Swearingen, and Calamity Jane. And it features an excellent lead performance from uh, Ian McShane as Al Swearingen. Uh, And it is so much about the ways in which civilization had sort of come up from nothing, uh, surround themselves around a, a particular symbol or idea, in this case, gold, and the ability to make money. Um, and the inherent greed that comes with that and what it does to people's souls, kind of. Um, and the sort of sorrows and indignities and, and comedy, even, uh, of what it means to live in that kind of situation. It's an incredible show filled with amazing performances uh, and the best dialogue in TV history. Deadwood. 
Um, I haven't watched that kind of because I didn't like the idea of watching a canceled show, but I'm going to watch it now that I know. <laughs> yeah. They're that, finishing it in some Yeah, they're finishing sense. it. I would like to recommend also a television show, uh, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, the Netflix was good. original. It's really great. It's interesting as a fan of Shirley Jackson because it is kind of a remix. So, yeah, I have heard that the book exists in the show. Is that true? No. The okay. book does not exist. Shirley Jackson exists in the show. Okay. Somebody's okay. reading the lottery. But oh, okay. the haunting of oh oh no, no the haunting of Hill House exists as a book written by a character in the show. Ah, I see, I see. Um, but it is, and so a lot of the uh, plot points and stuff from the novel that they put in feel kind of just shoved into a different thing. But it is a great exploration of. Uh, suicide and how it affects families now when i say that uh, keep in mind it's in the context of a a show about spooky shit happening as well but it handles the subject matter very well uh it handles uh, uh recovering drug addiction and um uh estranged families it's got a few of my favorite things estranged families um uh uh recovering drug addicts and uh, spooky shit. And it's got my favorite thing. Uh, an episode in the middle of the season um, is largely based around uh, two, uh, the past and the present all done in uh, oneers, uh one single take shots. Um, and it's at a funeral, not a spoiler. And I think that episode holds up as its own thing. <laughs> so if you don't feel like watching the the whole show, go watch the episode Two Storms from The Haunting of Hill House. I think it's amazing. Cool. I'm going to recommend a book. What, oh, nerd? Yeah. Uh, I just finished reading uh, My Age of My Age of Anxiety by Scott Stossel. Uh, better known as the editor of the Atlantic, uh, and it is uh, it's a autobiographical slash historical exploration of our understanding of uh, mental illness, anxiety in particular, and our different ways of conceptualizing it throughout history, going all the way back to antiquity, and especially the uh, deep marks it leaves within his own family in the uh, profound and often hilarious ways. Uh, for instance, like pooping himself at the Kennedys. Uh, ways it's affected him in particular. Uh, really illuminating sections on uh, what potentially are the causes of these things, uh, not just sort of the sort of standard eureka kind of thing. Oh, we figured out it's genetics. Oh, it's attachment theory. Oh, it's this. Uh, but really just kind of shows how in a great many ways we are still groping around in the dark and how each subsequent epoch of time looks upon these matters with the arrogance to assume that we finally cracked it. And uh, the impression one gets reading this book is that in a hundred or so years, we're going to look back on our understanding of these things now and have very much the same attitude uh, that our uh, understandings of these things are 
completely misguided. And also, just uh, it doesn't. It, this, he's writing the book as somebody who who takes medications for these things, but it also uh, really kind of exposes the relationship between. Uh, even the notion of the existence of psychological, certain psychological illnesses and the money-making of uh, uh, psychopharmacological industry. Uh, it's a tough read. <laughs> it's written really weird. It's written like a guy with rampant anxiety. He uses mm. footnotes in the most obnoxious way I have ever seen. I, there was a footnote at one point that followed an asterisk that's directed you down to the bottom in which there was a page and a half of microscopic footnote text that wrapped to the next page. And when you had finished reading it, you had to turn back to the page you were reading and pick up the next sentence in the middle of a paragraph. So boo on that. But the subject matter was uh, very uh, illuminating. My age of anxiety. Get into it. Cool. Let's do plugs, cause we forget to do the plugs every week. Plug, 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 plug. You can follow me. Wait, are we? Yeah. Follow me at um, uh, welcome underscore two underscore wonderfalls on Instagram. Um, I've got some new music coming uh, your way soon. Um, also, follow some things that made me cry. I made a post about Levon Helm, and then uh, somebody commented on it. A, a very nice comment and i look and i do a little bit of research and it was levon helm's wife and and, and that made me cry <laughs> and i was like do i do i make a post about this i didn't but it's it's crazy the this uh social media world yes <laughs> sounded like there was uh, more to that <laughs> now i'm done i'm finished <laughs> i'm uh, ruined <laughs> So uh, uh, you can check out me, Tom, my band, called Elbowake. And uh, you can find us on elbowake.bandcamp.com and also on Spotify and all the things. I've got a bunch of shows coming at you. I'm hitting, hitting the proverbial road. I'm coming to where you are if you're around here. So I'm... Um, uh what is it? I'm coming to Anthorna on the 11th in West Philly. I'm coming to the pharmacy a whole bunch in May, I think, on the 4th and the something at the 11th. Then I'm coming to the fire on the 15th. I'm also going out to Reading, Pennsylvania on the Redding, 27th Pennsylvania. of April. That's this month now. So, Aren't you going to be in South Philly, too? Yeah, that's pharmacy. Pharmacy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what is that? I think that's the 4th. May the 4th be with you. I think that's where that bit comes from. And then either the 9th or the 11th. Real great plug by me here. Uh, Frank, got anything? Uh, no, except my Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at, at Frank McDevitt. Uh, I talk a bunch of shit about a lot of shit. And follow us on Twitter at Plaid Lads Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Plaid Lads Pod. Leave us leave a review. An, yeah, listen, leave an iTunes review. Listen, listen. You, I'm going to try and keep my cool, but you can, <laughs> you can, gun to his head right now. <laughs> you 10 fucking people that I, I pointed out earlier in the episode. Just leave a fucking review, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay <laughs> just make an Apple ID. It's very simple. I'll take you through it. Leave us a five star review. There is cold steel pressed to Justin's <laughs> temple. Right now. Hey, Toons Guy, I know we just met. Leave a fucking review. Come on. 
Five stars, please. Well, Five you, stars and comment. That's all we ask. And subscribe. We'll let you be a guest like, on the show. Like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> Slam that like button. Uh, okay. Let's get those hearts going. Chris, man. Christopher, my dear <laughs> oldest brother, leave a fucking review. <laughs> Uh, we have eight reviews up there. Seven of them are mine. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's Frank's. <laughs> I haven't even left a review. <laughs> Jesus. Tom! <laughs> you know what a pain in the ass it is to fucking have an Apple ID if you don't already? <laughs> Do you know how much of a pain of an ass it is to create seven Apple IDs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway what the fuck are we doing next time oh i uh, <laughs> we might have a guest a guest a guest possibly that we just fucking screamed at <laughs> <laughs> what tunes guy <laughs> We'll keep you informed. Well, no, we won't. <laughs> Just listen next time we record a podcast. And uh, listen this time, too, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I wasn't recording. <laughs> it gets very hard to be rejected by Reddit people. <laughs> that was a... We went about that the wrong way. Fuck you, R. Frazier. <laughs> Fuck you, you our Criterion up. Collection. I I made this long, really amicable post on R. Frazier encouraging people to check out the podcast. It got one response, and it was one word. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then you responded to the guy, which was, I think it's a mistake. No, I responded. I quoted the show, and I got a few upvotes. I got more upvotes for that response than I did for the post, which is I quoted... Uh, 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 what trenchant criticism from the I hate Fraser Crane episode speech? Yeah, I I say give it another shot on Reddit. Maybe uh, I'll get a shout out to the Night in the Woods subreddit. You guys are good people. They got me a I, lot of plays for my it album. On a Discord that I'm a part of uh, for a Twitch channel. So we'll see how that goes. I don't understand a single word <laughs> you just said. I'm going to plug it on a Discord, which is a chat. For a Twitch channel, which is a place where you watch people play video games. So it's a chat group about watching a dude play a video game? I thought Watching Twitch... a dude play Hearthstone. Jeez. Oh, so it's a, a <laughs> chat group about <laughs> chatting about a guy playing a video game card game. <laughs> yes, a video game Warcraft card game, Jesus. to Twitch, be precise. Right? I thought Twitch was a cam girl site. No, it's much lamer than that. That was a joke. All right, bye. We love you. <laughs> love you. Go to bed. Go to bed, Lindsay. <laughs> Go to bed, Olivia. Go to bed. It's uh, Lieutenant Cragen on Special Victims Unit. Go to bed. Uh, I'm ending this. <laughs>